Hey, uh, as Ryan said earlier, we are uh, in Advent starting today, actually. Today is the first day of Advent. If you don't know what that is, Advent is um, really the Christ- Christianity has had a calendar um, of its own for thousands of years, and Advent is the beginning of it. And what it is is it starts the story of Jesus off. It's kind of the first season of the calendar for us who follow Jesus. It's, it's the first story where Jesus comes to this earth and is born. And to kind of complement the beginning of Advent, we thought we'd do an Advent series. And the series is, we're calling it Unexpected. And today we'll be calling it Unexpected Hope, which is kind of a funny name at first when you think about it, because um, the coming of the Messiah in the ancient world, in the time of Jesus, was very expected, actually. A lot of people were looking for the Messiah. They were looking everywhere. In fact, there was many people that popped up and said, hey, I think I'm the Messiah. And then it turns out they were not the Messiah um, at the time. Everyone was looking for a Messiah. Everyone was looking for Jesus. It was very expected that he was going to come. And so it's funny that we would name this series Unexpected, but we named it that Because with Jesus and all of its expectation, we all expect Jesus to come on Christmas morning, right? We expect baby Jesus. We expect all those things. There's a lot that came with the birth of Jesus that was very unexpected. Um, Jewish people 2,000 years ago believed that when the Messiah would come, uh, the Messiah would come as a warrior king. This Messiah would come as a general and lead the Jewish people to revolt against the Roman Empire, put down the Roman Empire, and they would be free. That's what they thought the Messiah was all about. And unexpected as it was, that's not what happened. Instead, something better happened. And so what we want to do in the series is we want to dive into the better that happened, the unexpected parts of Advent, of the coming of Jesus. In a way, uh, the birth of Jesus was one of the most unexpected, expected moments in the history of the world. And so in this series, uh, starting this morning, we will be diving into that. And to help us see this unexpected hope this morning with this massive sign, which is also awesome, um, we are going to turn to a very familiar story in the Bible. It is the story of the shepherds um, in the Advent story. That story is found in Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. If you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to open it up there and join us there together. If you notice and you look in the middle of the room and you say, there's not a scripture reading spot, there's not. Our scripture reader will be coming up here this morning and you get to stay seated. Check that out. That's pretty nice. And so I'm going to invite Elizabeth Jones up. She's going to read for us. Um, And if you haven't yet, turn to Luke 2, verses 8 through 20, and then she'll head on up and read. Luke 2, 8 through 20 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praying, praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to all to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that had heard and seen, which, they, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, Elizabeth. Hey, if you keep reading, we start talking about circumcision. I figured we'd stop it off there. It's a little awkward for some of us. Now, to start us off this morning, um, what I want to do is ask you a question, a what-if question. Imagine that you received urgent news that no one else had heard, and you were the first to receive it. And this news, this urgent news, um, had the ability to affect millions and millions of lives. Who do you think would be the most important person to tell the news to first? You got it? Who would that be for you if you received urgent news? What I want you to do is turn to your neighbors and share your answers. So go ahead. All right, have we shared? I think we have. Okay. Now, by a raise of hands, how many of you said family? Many of us, probably most of us. Um, how many of you, by raise of hands, said the press? All right, this is a weirder question. How many of you said the president? I'm raising my hand. I would have said the president. That's what I have picked. Um, the reason I would tell the president is because... In my childhood, my dad and I had this amazing propensity to watch the worst action movies ever made. And in each one of those action movies, there's always the line that pops up that says, somebody call the president. Maybe you've heard this before. There is one scene in particular in this amazing movie. I'll, I'll let this slide pop up and you can tell me what it is. What movie is this? Big Trouble in Little China. Perhaps one of the greatest bad movies of all time, in my opinion. I feel like I look like Jack Burton there. Um, but the lead guy, Jack Burton, at one point, he's going to storm into this building and he's going to save the day. At least he thinks he's going to. And then he says this famous line. He says, okay, you people sit tight. Hold the fort and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. That's exactly right. You've all seen that bad movie. I'm proud of you. That's great. Literally, in every action movie, you have a call the president moment. When something bad is going to happen and it's going to affect a lot of people, you tell the president first. At least that's what I learned in my childhood from bad action movies. Um, I need to learn from somewhere else, maybe. What is amazingly striking to me, though, um, from our scripture, reader, scripture reading this morning, is that the birth of Jesus had to be seen as one of those giant, urgent moments. It had to be. It was a huge moment for especially the Jewish population of the day because Jesus was the Messiah. And every prediction about, about the Messiah was that this Messiah would come. He'd be this great warrior in general, and he would defeat the nations. It'd be this great moment for the Jews. And he was going to free the Jews from the clutches of the evil Roman Empire, right? It was a big deal. The Messiah was finally here. But in our story... Jesus is born, and the first people to hear the news are who? Shepherds. Shepherds. Shepherds who are out watching their flocks 
at night were the first to hear the news. Uh, j just think about this for a moment. Imagine that you're this angel of the Lord. That's, you know, you're the guy that has to tell the first humans, hey, here's the good news. And God sends you and says, all right, angel, you know, get the news out. Where do you go first? Where, is it the shepherds? Is, no, no, you go past the shepherds. You, you don't go to the shepherds. No, you, I would go to the temple, right? I'd go to the high priest. I'd go to the, the Jewish authorities. That's where the news should get shared first. But it doesn't in our story, in the story of Jesus, it just doesn't. The news comes to shepherds first. And this matters. You see, shepherds in the ancient world were nothing like farmers today in so many ways. Today, if you imagine a farmer um, in America, what you imagine usually is you imagine an older man, right? Perhaps he's got a straw hat on. He looks pretty cool. He's got his suspenders. That's the kind of farmer I grew up thinking of, at least. And perhaps this person would have an education, and he'd have an education in agriculture. And this person would own land and tend to their fields or their animals or whatever it may be in their agricultural job. And if they had cows or pigs or sheep or chickens or crops or whatever it may be, they probably have a lot of them, right, in America. They, because you need to have a lot. Because to have a lot is how you make profit today. It's just how it works. And then a few years ago, I had the privilege of going to Egypt. And when I was in Egypt, I got to meet shepherds. And the shepherds um, in the Middle East today, many of them shepherd almost the exact same way as in the time of Scripture. Many of them do. And I want to show you a picture of these shepherds. And I want to see, is this what you imagine when you think of a shepherd in the Bible at all? What, what is weird about this picture for you? about these shepherds. They're kids. That's exactly right. They're kids. Maybe the oldest is 16 years old. And what is interesting is nearly every shepherd we encountered, and this is true really in Scripture too, nearly all of them were kids. I, imagine this, parents in the room. We can't even get our kids to brush their teeth in the morning, right? But shepherds in the ancient world and in the Middle East today, these are kids that tend to sheep day and night and goats day and night, and they do it responsibly. Isn't that something? I'm just going to get that out there. Um, you see, shepherds in the time of Jesus had small flocks. Most of them did. Maybe a couple dozen at the most of goats or sheep or whatever it was. And in fact, many of these shepherds didn't even own their flocks. They were day laborers. What they would do is they would show up and there would be someone that owns the flock and they would tend to the flock and get paid each day that they showed up to do so. These shepherds had no education. These shepherds had no land. Most of these shepherds had no influence as well. Shepherds of Jesus' day were nearly the bottom of the socioeconomic uh, kind of uh, ladder. And this matters because it's precisely these people, these shepherds, that God shares the good news of the Messiah's birth with first. And that was completely unexpected. 
completely unexpected. It was upside down of what society would have expected. It was completely illogical in many ways. And this is a huge deal. Because God, in this moment, where God chose to come to shepherds first, was sharing an incredibly important message for the whole world to hear. In fact, Jesus later speaks of this message. He says it like this. He says, so the last will be first and the first will be last, right? In Jesus' kingdom, that's how it's going to be. This is the unexpected hope found in the birth story of Jesus, that shepherds, you shepherds, you socioeconomic zeros of the world, right? You matter in God's new world. You matter. Shepherds, you're not a zero to God. Shepherds, you see, God says e even the cultural zeros have an incredible purpose and role in God's world, and that's a big deal. Shepherds, you matter to God. Can you imagine being a shepherd, one of these shepherds, and getting news like this? Can you imagine how it would make you feel? Wow. God notices me. That's amazing. God finds me valuable. No one else does, but God does. I have a part to play in God's unfolding story of redemption. I get to play a part in this. God saw to it. I have a vocation for God. And in fact, the shepherds become the first evangelists of the church. You read this in Luke 2, 17 out of our scripture reading. If you still have your Bible open, um, you can see it there. It says this, it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And I'm sure they were amazed. This is big news. The Messiah has come. But I have a feeling that they were amazed equally as much so in the fact that the messengers were shepherds. Wow, God chose shepherds. This is the good news of Advent. It's unexpected hope that came with the birth of a Messiah. And this is good news for you and me too. That wherever you find yourself in life, wherever it may be, God sees you and God has a role for you. Whether you have seven figures in your 401k and you've got the beach house, or whether you struggle to put food on the table and struggle to clothe your kids, God sees you as valuable and you have a part to play. Whether you have a huge, massive industry that you run and you're the CEO, or whether you are making beds at a hotel for minimum wage, you matter to God. You have a role to play in God's plan. And that is good news. It is. God comes to us in this season, the first day of Advent, and tells us, you matter to the story. God notices you. 
Whether you are a king or a shepherd or, or a real somebody or a real nobody, God finds worth in you and you matter to God and you have a part to play. This is in some sense one of the big reasons that Advent is important to the church. It's about Emmanuel, God with us. We can have hope because we are not what the world may say we are. We are what God says we are. We are valuable. We are infinitely valuable in the eyes of our creator. So much so that God desired to be with us, to tabernacle with us, to be part of our lives. And so we can be a part of God's life. God has a role for you in his future world, wherever you may find yourself. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if this is the kind of stuff we spent most of our time thinking about in this season? Wouldn't that be something, wouldn't it? I, I don't know about you, but Christmas and the holidays bring way higher levels of stress and responsibility in places to be and social events and buying presents. It brings a lot of extra stuff. And I feel like often in this time of season, I get lost in that stuff. And then I miss the big point that God thinks I matter, that God has a plan for me. Perhaps that's true for you too. Wouldn't it be amazing if this time of year, we could leave this time of year, we can get to January 1, right? And then we could say the words that the shepherds say in Luke 2. The shepherds say this. They say, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What is it that prevents us from sharing in this kind of joy this season? What is it for you? What do you get caught up thinking about or doing in this season that prevents you from remembering the story first? See, I think today's the first day of Advent and we have an opportunity as a church. We have an opportunity to step into Advent in a way very intentionally different perhaps from years before where the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus and all the good news that comes with it is actually first in our minds. Could you imagine that? We can do that starting today. Now on your chair, when you walked in, you had a piece of paper and you had a pencil. Look, something like these. You can pull those out a second if you can piece of paper says it's a Christmas wish list. And a Christmas wish list tends to be all the stuff, all the things, all the gifts that we want to get over the holiday. We wanted to have an opportunity to write a different Christmas list this morning. A short list of things we wish to let go of this season so we can really experience the story of Jesus. On the screen, a list of things is going to pop up. Perhaps some of these you relate to this season. Things that prevent us from really really being involved in the heart of Advent, the heart of Christmas, like fears about money, like being lonely in this kind of season, like the dread of, I don't know if you have this, family tension. I don't know if you have that. Or all the time commitments, or the endless shopping, or getting caught up in Santas and reindeer, which are great, but sometimes they distract us, right? 
or it's the social anxiety for us. It's just all those social places, they just work against us all the time. What is it for you this season that is preventing you from really leaning into the story, from really experiencing the good news of this time of year? What is it for you? We have an opportunity this morning. In a minute, um, after we pray, the band is going to come up. What we're going to invite you to do when they start playing is we're going to invite you to fill out your Christmas wish list. Fill it out. What is distracting you? What are you anxious about? What are you dreading? What are you excited about, but it really is the wrong thing to be excited about in this season? What is it that prevents you from experiencing the birth of Jesus like for the first time this year? What is it for you? What's going to happen then is you'll fill that out. And at your chair, I invite you to pray over that list. Pray to give it to God. Put it in God's hands. God, here I am. Here's my list. I want to concentrate on this season, really the heart of it, God. Help me remove some of this stuff, God. I'm going to put it in your hands. And when you do that, I'm going to invite you to come up to the cross. Take your piece of paper, fold it up, and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it in God's hands and trust that you're going to be okay. You will. You'll be okay. One note, those lights are really hot, so don't touch them. <laughs> Let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll do this. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the season and we thank you that it just shows us how wonderful and great your good news is. God, we thank you that it shows us that you're a God who sees us. You're a God who loves us. You're a God who has real plans for us, God. God, we recognize all the stuff, all the junk in our lives, all of the anxieties, all the things of the holiday sometimes that distract us from the reality of your grace, God. In this moment, help us. Help us to set some of it aside. God, we know we can't just set it aside, so God, we ask that you can take some of the burden off of us. Help us to meet you this season anew. Help, let it be unexpected. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear these words from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.